The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37, and can be found on page 1578 in your pew Bible. Mark 13, 24 through 37. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. And if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, coming of Advent looks forward to the coming of of Christ in the future. And at that time, he will join our bodies and our souls together in, in resurrection. And then he will take his holy, forgiven people to live forever with him in heaven. Advent truly looks 
to the future, the future coming of Christ. But that is not all that there is to Advent. Advent lives in the present, in the faith that Christ comes to us right now. He comes as we read or hear his words, as we receive the, the water and the word in baptism, and as we eat and as we drink his body and his blood at the altar. Advent includes the present coming of Christ, but that is not all that there is to Advent. Advent is also a fact of history that Jesus has already come, and we call that the Incarnation. Incarnation literally means making into flesh or taking on flesh. In Christianity, we use the word incarnation when we talk about God taking on human nature, human flesh, and human blood. Without God coming in the flesh, without incarnation, all the other comings of God would do us no good. I will say that one more time. Without God coming in flesh, without the incarnation, all of the other comings of God would do us no good. Without the incarnation, there would be no suffering and death on the cross for our salvation. Without the incarnation, there would be no resurrection. Without the incarnation, there would be no baptism. Without the incarnation, there would be no body and no blood at the altar. Basically, without incarnation, the entire Christian faith would be pointless. The incarnation is a fact of history, but it is also timeless, and it has timeless effects. How so? Point to Scripture, Pastor. Well, here you go. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's what it means when I say that we have been given the right to be called the children of God by what he did for us. God sent his son into time so that believers of all time might receive eternal adoption into God's family. The faith of both Old Testament saints and New Testament saints is on the incarnation of the Son of God. So it is truly good, truly right, 
and truly salutary that we contemplate God in his incarnation on this Advent Sunday. Without incarnation, today's reading from the prophet Isaiah would not, could not, he couldn't have prayed that prayer that we heard. If we look at the opening words of our reading this morning, the words of Isaiah were, Oh, that you would rend, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And if you think about it, this is an insane request, a crazy thing to pray without hope in incarnation. Why? Because without the saving work of incarnation, God can only come down to judge. He can only come down to condemn and to punish. Without the incarnation of the Son of God, Isaiah's words are absolutely foolish. One might even say that his words are suicidal. Isaiah continues his prayer as he describes the nature of God. Did you hear it? He said, God makes the mountain shake. God kindles consuming fires. The nations tremble in God's presence. That God acts on behalf of those who wait on him. He, God, meets him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember him in his ways. Now that all sounds like pretty good stuff until Isaiah describes us. Were you listening? Here's a recap. Isaiah describes us. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. And in our sins we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, they take us away. Further, he says, there is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities, our sin. Isaiah's prophecies contain no false optimism concerning the human condition. He tells it like it is. And we have no redeeming qualities of our own. No righteousness of our own. And according to God's law, we are a pollution. We are worse than the worst smog or hazardous waste. That's why it's crazy for him to call him down, render and come on down without the incarnation. So given the nature of God and the nature of man, our sin should make us into a target 
of God's wrath. We should have to be crazy to ask God to rend the heavens and come down without the incarnation. We would not be among the righteous that God helps, but among the enemy that trembles in fear without the incarnation. We would be inviting God to come and condemn us without the incarnation. It would be better for God to just stay where he is. Without the incarnation, Isaiah's prayer is not only insane, but it's also incredibly arrogant. Those are pretty strong words for me to use about the prophet Isaiah. But they are. Isaiah calls God his father. How is that possible? How can the Lord who hates sin be true father to the polluted? The world, the world would have us believe this, that the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man is some sort of an automatic thing. The world insists that it makes no difference how you live, what you believe, whether you worship, or whom you worship. The world says God is a God of love, so of course he's your father. Yeah? <laughs> Not so fast. Even the world's own news, the headlines show that this is a lie, that we cannot even get along with each other, that there are always wars, that there is always terrorism, that there is always crime. And if we cannot get along with each other, why would we think that we could get along with a holy and righteous and just God. In our arrogance, we deceive ourselves and that that self-deception is dangerous. The only safe way for us to have any transaction with God is for God to come to us. And that's what incarnation is all about. Yesterday we talked about it in men's group. We don't climb up to God. He came down to us. And the question I ask, who chased who? He chased you. It is in the incarnation that the Son of Man and the Son of God are one and the same person. And that's important. It is when Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes down to tell Mary that she is to be the mother of God, and the mother of God, and that's when the incarnation begins. The Lord Almighty who created man in his image was now a microscopic, carbon-based life form inside 
of her. If you think about it, the God of heaven and earth, he comes to us as a simple egg that has become fertile by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here is the beginning of the incarnation of God. Now, Isaiah prayed for God to tear open, to rend the heavens and come down, and God did just that. But he did it quietly, still, softly, to a maiden. And we didn't see him rend the heavens and come down until God the Son was already laid in the manger. And only then did the heavenly hosts make the announcement, and even then it was to humble shepherds. He didn't tear open the heavens and come down in a blaze. He tore open the heavens and he came down as a baby. We didn't see the triune God rend the heavens and open to us like a flower until Jesus was already in the Jordan, standing in our sins. Although that he never sinned, he became as one who is unclean, whose righteous deeds are polluted like a polluted garment. He was baptized into our iniquities. And we didn't see him rend the heavens and Jesus transfigured and shining like the sun until the law of the prophets was already witness to his exodus on the cross. He tore apart the heavens. He crossed the divide that sin caused and he came down he condescended to us. He came all the way down to Mary's womb, human, true man. He came all the way down into the Jordan to be the sin bearer. He came all the way down from Bethany on a colt and up into Jerusalem to die. He came all the way down onto a cross, a sinner lifted up as sin itself, like a polluted garment. He came all the way down. And this Christ poured himself out, making himself nothing, making himself like clay, for the potter. Jesus yielded up his spirit to rend. Jesus lifted up his spirit to be torn apart. And the temple veil in torn in part in two from the top to the bottom. His spirit torn apart to quake the earth, to rend the rocks 
that the mountains might shake before his tortured face. Jesus, the true child of the Father, prayed Isaiah's prayer as a sinner in our place so that we could pray and call God our Father. This is the incarnation that makes it possible. This incarnation empowers the resurrection, both Christ's resurrection and ours. This is the incarnation that empowers the ever-present coming of Jesus in word and in sacrament. It empowers the future coming of Jesus to take us body and soul into eternal joy. It is this incarnation that makes Isaiah's prayer possible. And so, therefore, Isaiah's words no longer seem arrogant, self-deceptive, or dangerous. Instead, Isaiah's words, they are a confident confession that looks forward to the salvation of God incarnate. They are words of confidence that speak and proclaim the salvation of God in the flesh. In the name of Jesus, Amen.